We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord today. Amen. We are grateful and thankful for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer to our streaming audience. Thank you for being with us. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, where we are committed to loving God, loving all people, and changing the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're grateful to God that you are with us, allowing us into your personal space to inspire your heart, inform your head, encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. And if you're ever in the Houston metropolitan area, we invite you to come and be with us. As good as it is to stream, it's even gooder when you come to the house of prayer. Amen. Amen. I know that's not a proper word. It's just, just took me back to my grandfather. He says it's getting gooder and gooder. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm so grateful and thankful to the Lord that you're with us on today. Man, 25 years, y'all. Woo! 25 years. That's, that's a big deal to me. That's a big deal to me. And I am grateful and thankful for what God has done and what God is doing in the life of this church and what he's allowing me to experience as pastor here. And uh, man, just excited about everything. This week has been a really tough week. Uh, we had several funerals that directly and or indirectly impacted our church. Um, I wanna thank those members who went to the homegoing of Minister Harold Allen um, and uh, supported Sister Myra Allen and Brother Matt Allen. Uh, Reverend Allen went home to be with the Lord unexpectedly and we certainly want to keep that family in our prayers. And then uh, yesterday I was um, asked to do the eulogy of a seven-year-old little girl who, um, who passed away she has suffered from uh, asthma and several other maladies and um, had spent some time here at the church and in our children's ministry. And uh, what was exciting was to hear her tremendous witness and to hear the joy that she brought to family members and friends. Uh, amazing. At four years old, she was sharing her faith and talking about the realness of God and, and what the Lord had done in her life. She was one of those girls, kind of like old soul, you know. You, you ever been around children and you look at them and you swear they've been here before, you know what I mean? You're like, no, you was here before somewhere. And two months ago, she told her mother that uh, God had told her that he was coming to get her to take her home. And the mother was like, what are you talking about? You know, and the mother just freaked out. And she said, no, mommy. She said, I talked to God. He told me he's coming to get me. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord. And we certainly want to continue to keep the Pierre family in our prayers. Um, but her light was so bright. And I, I sat there in doing that eulogy and was reminded and reminded people 
that at seven years old, her light shined brighter than many who were sitting there mourning her. And we always have to remember, even when children go home to be with the Lord, when they know Jesus, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, the apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul said, it's a win-win. If I stay, I win. If I leave, I win. And then he said, if I stay, I don't do it for my sake. I really stay for your sake. And even in our crying over those who leave, it's really our selfishness manifesting itself in tears because we want them to stay with us when in actuality they're in a better place. And so uh, it's, it's been an event. And then we got word, Sister Denise Duplantier's father passed, Brother Walter Persley, and we want to keep her in prayer. Last year, this same time, her brother passed, and then a couple of months ago, her husband passed. And so we want to remember Denise in our prayers uh, as well. But I'm grateful to God. And I got to tell you, I, I was trying to think of a big word. I came up with a new big word. I had one big word at eight. I got a different big word today to describe my my, my joy. I am elephant excited. Yeah, at eight, I was hippopotamus happy. I'm elephant excited now. Uh, I have with, the, so this whole month, I, I decided I was going to take the whole month to celebrate my 25th anniversary. And I'm inviting people who, whom God has used in very significant ways in my life. And today is no exception. Uh, this brother and I have known each other. He's been pastoring the Sharon Baptist Church now 37 years. He's been married 35 years. So I've probably known him 34 and a half years. I, and when I say know him, I knew of him before, but I've known him that long. I, I knew Dr. Keith Reed before I started pastoring anywhere. Matter of fact, he pastored one of my family members and he was always uh, very encouraging, always very supportive as, as an associate minister. Uh, when I got called to my first church, he was encouraging. When I came back to the Philadelphia area in Chester, Pennsylvania, uh, I asked him to come and preach, and, and you gotta realize I had a little small church. You know, my office was so small, I had to go outside my office to change my mind. I mean, that's how small it was. And, and he had the fastest growing church in Philadelphia. I mean, if you talk to anybody in the mid 80s up through the mid 90s, and you mentioned Keith Reed's name, it was just like, wow, like you know him? And I invited him to come and, and preach, and he preached at our little church, and just always super nice, always super encouraging. And he is as much a part of me being here as anybody else. Um, I mean, the reason I'm here is because of him. Uh, we were talking about churches, and he was encouraging me about things I could do to improve what I was doing at the church I was pastoring at the time, Freedom Baptist Church in Chester, Pennsylvania. And he said, man, 
He said, D, you need, you need to come to this conference with me. He said, man, this, this is, conference has helped me a lot. You know, I've taken members down there, man, and, and you, you should come. And I said, man, okay, when is it? And, and I went to the Institute on Church Growth that was run by Dr. E.K. Bailey. And he took me down and introduced me to E.K. Bailey. And, you know, Dr. Bailey was a legend around the country. And I met Dr. Bailey because of Dr. Reed and developed a relationship with Pastor Bailey. The next year, I left my church in Chester, Pennsylvania and moved to Dallas to go to seminary and joined the Concord Church and show you how all of this tied together. When I was finishing at Dallas, Good Hope was looking for a pastor and Deacon Tibbs was at the National Congress of Christian Education. Uh, his then wife, Dorothy, who's gone home to be with the Lord, said to him, ask Dr. Bailey if he knows anybody he could recommend for our church. And Deacon Tibbs said, I ain't gonna ask Dr. Bailey that. He's too busy. Yeah. Time for, I'll go ask him, go ask him. Now, if you knew Dorothy Tibbs, you, you know she was gonna get what she wanted. And so she stayed on him. He finally went up and asked Dr. Bailey and Dr. Bailey said he thought he had just a person and called me when he got back to Dallas and said to me, Cofield, I got a church in Houston. I think you would be grateful. He said, man, they're not. They used to be really strong. They're kind of down now. He says, but with your preaching and teaching, I think you can build a church that would be second to none. And that's how I got the good hope. And it all started with this man right here. He, he is the proud pastor of the Sharon Baptist Church of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. God has used him in such a powerful way uh, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a teacher of preachers, as a writer, and uh, went back to school and was just awarded last month and was hooded with his doctoral degree. And man, I, I can't tell you how godly proud I am of him and what the Lord has done. And he consented to come on a Sunday morning to leave his congregation to be with me today for my 25th anniversary. We've just been hanging out. That's my brother from another mother. You know, it was a time I would fight you over him. Um, I'm getting too old to fight. I'll just shoot now. Amen. <laughs> I ain't fighting. I'll just shoot you over him. That, that's, um, but that's, that's my friend. I mean, for real. If he called me and said he had a problem, I just... I get a shovel and a garbage bag and just what we got to do. That, that, that's my man right there. For Some of y'all don't even understand that, but you got to have a little background to understand that. But that's my man, for real. Join me in showing some love to Dr. Keith Reed, senior, the senior pastor at the Sharon Baptist Church. Yeah, come on, show him some love. That's right, I wouldn't be here without him, man. That's my man. Um, before our, our music ministry comes, I got to tell you all the story, and I, and I appreciate you all standing, because that, that's really appropriate. Um, I was in Cuba, and uh, Deacon Stan Adams was, was with me, along with Trustee... Mike Williams, and so we went, we delivered 
uh, medical supplies and money to our mission down there. And we were walking through uh, the Obispo, which is the main street in Old Havana. We were walking down the Obispo, and somebody hollered out, DZ Cofield. And I'm like, I'm in Cuba. Who, the, who knows me in, in Cuba? And said it so vociferously, you know, like they really know me, right? And it was Dr. Johnny Ray Youngblood. And we remember Dr. Youngblood came, and I think it was my 18th anniversary, I believe, came and, and preached. And, and Dr. Youngblood, one of those people who encouraged me and, man, just had been a blessing. And so we started connecting, and uh, I said, Johnny, I said, man, this is Deacon Stan Adams. He's one of the deacons at Good Hope. And I said, Deacon Adams, I said, Stan, I wouldn't be where I am today without this brother. And Stan took his hand and shook it. And you know, Stan got a grip. I thought he was going to take his arm off. Man, Stan. So I said, Pastor, I thank God for you. Because what you did for this man, you've allowed this man to do so much in my life. And that's what I hope you feel today when I talk about Keith Reed. I literally would not be here without his encouragement, without his love without his support, without being used by God to introduce me to people and places and giving me an opportunity uh, to practice preaching at the Sharon Baptist Church and the like. I'm going to introduce our musical guest today. Uh, Elder Mark Taylor, our director of worship, is world-renowned, not just in the States, literally around the world as a gifted musician, songwriter, singer, uh, and just a great guy. And I feel really privileged that we have him here as the lead servant of our worship and fine arts ministry. And this is a group of singers who are committed in spirit with him called One Sound. And God is using this group in a powerful way and um, they've been here, done concerts here before, and I just always believe in supporting our own, and when we talked about having special musical guests, there's nobody that can out-sing them, and they're our own, and so I'm honored that they would come for my 25th anniversary. So after they sing, next voice you hear will be that of Bishop Keith Reed, Dr. Keith Reed of the Sharon Baptist Church, but join me in welcoming to the Good Hope Church, Mark Taylor and One Sound. Pastor, don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. Anyway, before, before you leave the stage, Pastor, we just want to express our gratitude to you. Don't, don't leave me yet. Don't leave me yet. We want to express our gratitude to you. You have been, you and Good Hope have been such a blessing to us in these past few years. Uh, just First of all, just on a personal level, what you've poured into my life and into my family's life, thank you for being that just a great blessing to us. And then that spilled over, and you've been a blessing to every person on this stage. So we wanted to say thank you. We have something special that we want to give you for you before you leave us. So happy anniversary, sir. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. 
Amen. We're not going to be before you long. Again, it's a blessing to be here, Good Hope. You know we love you all, and we appreciate your support as well. Scripture says in Psalms 47, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So can we do that right now? Come on, clap your hands and make some noise. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Shut up. 
clap your hands, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I wish we were here for the first Sunday because there's a song that's real special to us that we love. I don't know about y'all, but I feel like we really don't sing or talk a whole lot about the blood, about Jesus' sacrifice, what he did for us on Calvary, and the fact that it is the foundation for our salvation. Our whole belief system is tied around the fact that Jesus died, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave. And he died for our sins. He died so that we could be able to stand in God's presence to worship him and not worry about being destroyed because of the sin in our lives. God has blessed us and he paid the price on Calvary. So come on, can somebody clap your hands and give God a praise for Calvary? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your love for us, for your great love that you died for us, that you gave yourself as a ransom for our sin, God, on a hill called Calvary.
it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, it's my desire to please you, Lord. So they led him away from home to home to be tried and convicted. They spit on him, yes. They mocked him. They scorned him. They whipped him until he was unrecognizable. He, he suffered in agony. Yes, he did. He squared his head in the locks of his shoulders and he gave And I'm so glad that he bore our sorrows and he carried our griefs and he paid our ransom. Jesus removed our guilt, but that's not all. On the Thursday morning, Jesus got up. He got up with our healing. He got up with our For oh, Thank you for your shed blood for me. You did it, you did it, you did it for me. Yeah. Oh, tell me what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is the flow oh, that makes me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You were wounded for my transgressions, you were bruised for my iniquities. Oh, and with your stripes, with your stripes. I am here. Come on, somebody praise God for Calvary. Hallelujah. 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 This is a day that the Lord hath made. Too much. Let us re let us rejoice and be glad in it. We we can make a lot of things. We can make clothes. We can make cars. 
We can even make money. But can't nobody make a day. Only the Lord can make a day. And as a result of it, we ought to be glad in it. Amen. That he's given us this privilege and this honor to be in this day. I think it's just a little bit too loud on the monitors. I think they feed back. Thank you, though. Thank you so very much. To our resurrected Lord, we give glory, honor, and praise to. And he is alive and doing well. Real good. Yes, real well. To all of my fellow co-laborers in ministry, uh, my sisters and brothers, to all of the officers of this church, and to the members of this fellowship and to the angel of this house, my brother beloved, Dr. D.Z. Cofield. What an honor and a privilege to be here at New Hope one more time. Amen. Good hope one more time. Good hope. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, 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 been, it's been a minute, as my sons would say. It's been a minute. Um, but I'm here and I'm Honored to be here on this auspicious occasion of 25 years of pastoral celebration, and that is something to celebrate. 25 years, amen, of doing what it is that he has been doing, and also to his lovely wife, Sister Sophie. God bless you. I had. <laughs> I had the privilege of meeting her, um, and she said that I reminded her of somebody, and she's going to show me the picture of who I supposed to have had reminded her of, and and I hope that it's a good memory, because I want us to be like that, you know what I mean? I don't want us to have to be in another way, another shape, another form, where um, my friend, because now I have become his foe, because his boo don't like his friend, you know. I just just hope that, you know, it's a it's a good picture about a good person that you have fond memories of. Amen. That's all I'm saying. Um, again, it's a joy uh, to be here. Uh, I, I just think we need to, you know, let's just dump, jump right on in and let's just kind of, you know, get right on to it. Because I know afterwards, you know, you want to get out of here. You don't want me to keep you. Because after, you know, you leave, I know I'm going to let you go home and do nothing. So I know you're going to go home and do nothing anyway. So we're going to do that. Um, but I, I just want to, you know, I, I, want to, I want to celebrate, I want to share in his um, moment, if you would, in history. That's landmark moment of 25 years. Amen. And, and I want to thank him publicly, too, for um, those nice things he said about me and what God used me to do in his life and with his life with you here at that Good Hope, you know. Um, just, you know, I, I, I never knew all that was a part of the providential will of God. I guess we just was a part of it and walked in it, and it worked out. And... Man, look what God has done. Look what he has done. And I think you ought to give um, the Lord a praise for your pastor. 
and what God has used him to do, you know, in 25 years. Well, how, how did he do it? What makes him want to do it when he don't feel like doing it? What is it that gives him a push up or pick up when he's been knocked down? What makes him come day after day, week after week, month after month, year, 25 years of it, year after year? I know some may be a little perplexed that have been with him along the journey, maybe the whole 25 years. Some of you have just gotten on this train that's moving, or some of you have been, you know, 10, 15, you know, 20s. Others have been 5, 8, you know what I mean, 7, 12. But I, I hear you. I, I, I hear you thinking, you know, well, what is it? What makes him keep doing what he does? And I, I, I don't want to be around some people for 25 minutes, let, let, let known 25 years of being around a group of people that God, God's people, quote, unquote. What, 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 what gives him the drive? What is it that makes him do what he does? I'm going to give you some hints, uh, give you some suggestions on why he does what he does. And it, it applies to you because if you apply it, you can do what you do in a more impactful and probably more effective way. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. See, y'all took a couple minutes from me uh, because I didn't get to the verse yet and I know you're supposed to turn it on when I get to the verse so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a couple of minutes on the back end put a couple quarters in the meter so we can still park it for a few minutes all right so good all right here it is second Timothy chapter 4 um, I'm reading from the ESV version of Holy Writ, and you will find these similar words there. I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all complete patience and teaching. Some Bible says doctrine. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, 
Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand or has come. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. What is it? And as you know, that these are the last words that we know to be penned of the, from the Apostle Paul. Now what's interesting about this is that he writes his young protege Timothy, his disciple Lee, his son in ministry if you would, that he had been cultivating and discipling and developing. And now he's pastoring in a city called Ephesus and he's there at Ephesus, and Paul now is locked up on death row, getting ready to be beheaded. He's already understood that he's been accused of some things, and he's been guilty of spreading this new gospel, or this new religion that was definitely in conflict with the Jewish religion, but yet it was a complementary of the Jewish religion, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, Paul is getting ready to die. Now, you know just as much as I know that the words of a dying person seems to take on more significance than an individual who is not dying. So you have to see it like Timothy saw it. I want you to feel it like Timothy felt it. Uh, hopefully you can get to know it like Timothy came to know it. Now, now think about it. Your, your, uh, your spiritual father is dying. Well, he's getting ready to die. And you're no longer going to hear his voice. Neither will you no longer see his face. How does that make you feel? It would make me grab hold to everything that he is saying because I will not be able to hear him say it anymore. So here it is and Paul writes to him and he writes to D.Z. Cofield and he writes to me and he writes to you and saying this is what you need to do to keep on doing what you're doing. The first thing that Paul reminds Timothy of, and I might add that he tells your pastor and what your pastor does or what keeps him doing what he's doing is because of this first thing. And this first thing has to do with a prophetic kind of thing. It has to do with the future. He says this, but... Understand this, um, Timothy. Uh-oh. See, that's what I don't like about these. 
electronic stuff, man. You push it one time and then it go off on you and go to another chapter that you ain't even preaching from and you didn't even see what I'm saying. It's glad to, that's always I'm glad to have a hard copy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just but here it is, here it is, here it is. The first thing that he says to Timothy and he says to D.Z. Cofield, and he says to you, and he says to me, he says, if you're going to keep doing what you're doing, this is what you need to keep in mind. First of all, something that's prophetical, is futuristic. He says this, you then, see, it's the devil, man. Let me my Bible right here. He says to Timothy, I solemnly charge you that... You in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. What makes people keep doing what they're doing is not just doing it in the time that they are doing it. What motivates them and keeps them doing what they're doing is because they're looking futuristically for someone else they have to face. So it's a good thing that he's been doing what he's been doing, how long that he has been doing it with you, um, uh, good whole family. But, but, but this is what I need you to understand is that it's just not just for you. It's not just with you because in his mind he has something about somebody further than you. Because at the end of the day you might dislike what he does. You can appreciate what he does. Some of you will diss him because of what he's doing. Some of you will encourage him to keep on doing what he's doing. Some of you will love what he's doing. Some of you will loathe what he's doing. Some of you will be gracious about what he's doing. Some of you will be grievous about what he's doing. But the bottom line is this. He knows that whether you like it or you can lump it, whether you love me or you hate me, whether you encourage me or discourage me, I have to answer for what I do down the road at the end of the day. I would rather be in with Christ and God and out with you than in with you and out with them. It's prophetical. It's about the future. Even though I live in the present. And the noun. It's about tomorrow. That I have to give an account for. He does what he does because of prophetical that which is futuristic secondly he does what he does and he keeps doing what he's doing and you can keep doing what you're doing if you look at it from this perspective of pictures it's picturesque Paul uses words that paints portraits that, that, that hang in the art gallery of your mind if you, if you would allow God's words of these word pictures to hang in the gallery of your mind, you would find that 
it will encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And one of these word pictures is found in verse number two where he uses this term and he says to uh, Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy, he uses this term where he says, preach the word. That word preach there, my sisters and my brothers, is an interesting word. It's a picture word. It's that picture word, caruso. It, it means uh, 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 an announcer, uh, a declarer, uh, a sayer. Okay, you said, okay, what's picturesque about that? What's picturesque about it is when Paul wrote this to Timothy, he knew, Timothy knew that what he was saying was that in that day, Caesars, the emperors, whenever they had to give a message to the citizens of Rome, they would use one person to do it. That person would go either to the towns or the cities where that was under Rome's rule and they would go to the middle, the center of the city, if you would, and they would have there a stand, a box, kind of like stage setting where they stand up on and then what they would do is unroll the scroll and they would say something like this, citizens of Rome, from the great, illustrious emperor Caesar Augustus declares unto you yadi 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 so and 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 so, thus is the decree from Caesar. And the citizens would receive it and they would take it, appropriate it, and do what was said to be done from the declarer, from the hurler. Paul says to Timothy, you are a hurler from the king of kings. And he has given you edicts. And your job is to stand up and to say what he said. To declare what he says and don't deviate from the left of it, from the right of it. Don't give your personal opinion of it. Just say what he says, explain what he says, and sit down and let him back up what he says. Because you represent the king of kings and the lord of lords. So whatever you do, declare. What he says. Paul uses these picture words. He says 
preach. He, he says, you are a sayer. Well, wait a minute. He does use another picture word here. He says to Timothy that you are also like a sacrifice. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. In short, the drink offering was a Jewish feast that the Jews celebrated that spoke of and was a type of the life that Christ was going to present to the world and that he was going to pour himself out. Give all that he was to a world that was less than what they really should be. But he gave his all. Hymnologists said Jesus paid it all. All to him. I of sin have left the crimson stain. But he washed me white as snow. He says to Timothy, you've got to be like me, a drink offering. Otherwise, whenever you stand, whenever you counsel, whenever you teach, whenever you preach, you pour it all out. Give it all that you have. Pour it all out. We would say in the basketball world that you leave it all out on the court. Um, gentlemen, if we would all play hard and everybody just leave it out on the court, we would get the result of leaving it out on the court. Paul would say and has been saying to your pastor, and he's been doing this without telling you that he's been doing this, every time he stands, every time he teaches, every time he counsels, every time he preaches, he's just pouring it all out. He's laying it all out. He's giving it all out. But you can't give out what you have not taken in you're a sayer you are a sacrifice but he also says this you are like a ship and a sailor when he uses this term the time of my departure is at hand now for you and I that just means that oh he's leaving no, for Timothy, that was a picture word. It was a picture word because it was a picture of a ship in a dock. And they had placed cargo on the dock and then they had placed, placed people on the ship. And it was leaving the dock. So when it left the dock, it would pull up the anchor and hoist up the sail. So that it would leave the dock, but not aimlessly, because before it left the dock, they had already mapped out the route in which they were going to take to get to another destination. But in between leaving the dock and going to the other destination, they also had in mind that the seas were not always going to be friendly. They prepared the boat to be able to handle some of the shiftiness and the swiftness of the change of the atmosphere when it came to sailing on the sea. 
And, and as a result of it, when it did happen, a storm would rise and the winds would blow and the waves would dash up against the ship. The sailors in the ship, what they would do is they would pull down the sail and throw over the anchor. Because the anchor was always deeper than what the ship was floating on, which was the water. So the anchor would go deep down to the floor of the bed so that it can lock itself so that the ship would be chained to the anchor so that regardless of how far the winds or how hard the winds may blow and the waves may dash, the ship was only going to go but so far because of the grip of the anchor <laughs> otherwise he says and the reason why he's been doing what he's been doing for 25 years is that he's not naive that he is like a ship and he is on the sea of ministry or the sea of life and in this life the hymnologist said this world this life is full of swift transitions Sometimes things change just like that. And regardless of how it might change or what he might be facing or what um, winds may be blowing and what waves may be dashing up against his experience and his life, regardless of any of that, the issue is this. I came from a dock. I know what I was built to do and I know what I'm able to face and regardless of how bad it might get as long as my anchor grips the solid rock Christ I can handle what happens around me been like a ship been like a sacrifice been like a sayer but he's also been like a soldier it says here I fought a good fight. Now, now let's be clear. I didn't have a chance to say this. Eight o'clock. Since y'all took a couple minutes from me. Eleven o'clock. <laughs> Feel a little better now. Uh, uh, let's be clear. Paul did not say, I won all my battles. No, what he did say is, I put up a good fight. <laughs> let, let me see if it's... Some of you don't know nothing about pugilists, you know. And, you know, a lot of you have been lovers and not fighters. I tried to do a little bit of both back in my day. Back in my BC days, you know. I used to love to fight. I did. I used to like to fight. You know? how, to, how to do what I need to do, you know. I just used to like to fight. I did. I did. I used to like to fight. And, and, and I, I'd be lying to you to say I won them all. No, I didn't win, win them all. I won a lot, but I didn't win them all. But I do know this too, that the ones that I lost, the fighter that I lost, the bout two, they knew I was there. That's all I'm saying. I'm just simply saying that Paul was saying that, hey, I'm a soldier. I was trained to fight. 
And that's what soldiers are trained to do is to fight. You're not trained to go in foreign territory or even in your own land and you're not going to fight. What if people went over Iraq, Iran, you know, back in those wars when they had those wars, Vietnam, and they got on the land of enemy territory, and here they are over there in the land of enemy territory, and then all of a sudden the enemy starts shooting at them, and they say, oh my gosh, run for cover, and they run. They go running for cover, and when they run for cover, it's like they're shooting at us. Don't no soldier do that. Soldier understands that first of all, I'm trained to fight. Second of all, I have the necessary equipment so that I can fight. And third of all, I'm on enemy territory, so I'm looking for a fight. And when it breaks out, I'm going to fight. Come on, talk back to me. The, the problem is, or the situation here, what Paul was saying to Timothy is that, hey, man, you're like a soldier. I've been like a soldier all these years, so you've got to expect some fight. And you've got to have some fight in you so that you can deal with the enemies that are, first of all, without. Meaning this world is not your friend. This sin-sick secular society is not your road dog. No, they don't like you. The reason why they don't like him is because they didn't like his commander or his savior, which is his master, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 15, if they didn't like me, you know what they're going to do to you. They don't like me, they're not gonna like you. So, you've got to fight against this sin sick secular society. That's a fight that he's been fighting for the past 25 years. And I'd like to say, prior to him coming here, he's been fighting the ideologies, the philosophies of this sin sick secular society. They are always saying stuff contrary to what God has to say. So, there's that constant fight and battle that goes on with the world that's why Paul says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed there it is to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good perfect and acceptable will of God how does he renew his mind Paul says I mean David says blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of the sinner nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord here it is and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters he'll bring forth his fruit in his own season his leaves shall not wither but what Whatsoever he do will prosper. The ungodly are not so. Ah, glory. Let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. He, he's got to fight sin sick secular society because he's a soldier. Not only does he have to fight the sin sick secular society, but he also has to fight Satan that uses the sin sick secular society. 
He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. He, he uses the world to entice, to lure his fight, which intensifies. So, so here it is. He has to fight, and he's been fighting. Paul says, if you've got to keep doing what you're doing, recognize that you're a soldier. And a soldier makes you, a soldier is sober. Because of the atmosphere of the enemy that's without, then the enemy that's invisible. Oh, here it is. Here's a third one. I got to hurry up. Then there's an enemy that's within. Okay. I'm getting hot on that one right there. Yeah, yeah I'm talking about the one that we walk around with 24 7. The one you go to sleep with last night. Wake up early in the morning and he be tapping at the city of your soul and your heart. Tell him, all right, you going to do what I say? Or you going to do what this other new nature say? Who, who you going to vote for? Who you going to choose today? Come on now. That, 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 that's an enemy that's internal. Lord have mercy. Are you with me? The world is external. Uh, Satan is infernal <laughs> and, and self is internal. Come on, help me somebody. Does I have, do I have anybody in here that suffers from, from time to time, spiritual bipolar? <laughs> is there anybody in here that suffers from time to time, spiritual schizophrenia? You know, the things I said I wasn't going to do, I wind up doing things I said I was going to do that I didn't do. In my mind, I wanted to serve the law of God, but in my members, World War III was breaking out. He said every time I wanted to do good, evil was present. He cries out in desperation. Anybody ever had any of these moments where they cry out and said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? Here it is. From this body of destruction. It's the body that has been tainted with sin that runs through our veins that make us have an internal battle even when we ain't thinking about it when we ain't trying to do nothing about it every time we want to do something righteous something good he always resurrects his ugly head and starts making demands like we supposed to give him what he demands feed him what he desires help me somebody that's why Paul said I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live not I but Christ lives lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me he's been fighting internally externally infernally for 25 years and then sometimes you've been fighting personally with the saints not only society not only Satan not only self, but the saints. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Yeah, the saints. The saints been firing off at them. And the army and the military, you that are military people, you know they call that friendly fire. When you get shot by somebody that's on your side. Help me, somebody. Friendly fire. Oh, pow. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you looked like... It was the enemy. I couldn't see all the smoke and dust. You know, it's 
Ooh, they got to do something with these fatigues. They got to do something because y'all, it looked like, yeah, right. Saints do the same thing to the servants of God. They do the same thing. They shoot them because they don't like what he said. Shoot them because they don't like what he's doing. Shoot them because he didn't take your idea. Shoot them because he had another idea. Shoot them because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Shoot them because you didn't like the way he said what he said. Shoot them because, just because. Just because I can, I'm going to shoot him. A lot of people have done that to 25 years, but, 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 but this is what he knows. He's a soldier, and sometimes a soldier gets hit. And if a soldier gets hit, what they do is they cry out, I'm hit! Take me to sick bay. Come on, help me somebody. And they can pick him up and take him to sick bay so he can get some salve for his wounds so that he can get well and get back out and keep on fighting. Last seconds. One second, I'm done. Y'all got put back on that two more minutes. Y'all took it off in the beginning. <laughs> Here it is. I'm good. I'm done. He, he's, he's a soldier. He's been a soldier. He, he's, he's, been, he's been a sportsman. He's run this race. He's, 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 been, he's been a sailor and a sacrifice and, a, and like a ship and like a sailor. And he's also been, and he has to be what Paul says he has to be, and that is this. Paul said, I kept the faith. That means he has to be and continues to be a security guard. Now, now what that means is that he was specific about what faith? He said the faith, the faith, which means a body of truth that has to be protected. Any security guard living now, today, in our day, and then Paul's day, they guarded areas. They didn't guard the whole thing. One would have an area that they had to guard. If you go over in London and they're over there in the palace and you know that fella that, that, has, the, that has the sword or the, or the one on the shoulder with that high tap, top furry hat, you know how he walks when he's guarding. Certain area stops, turns around, goes to the front, stands there, looking for focused, face fixed like a flint, making sure that nobody will come across this territory or this area where he is guarding. Y'all, 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 y'all not. I'm just simply saying, my sisters and my brothers, for 22, 25 years, he's been on guard of the faith, the truth. And anybody that comes in and tries to say something other than what it says, he's liable to do damage. He's liable to open up, if you would, the word of God and ooh, 
loosing them from a way, keeping his people from coming or people coming, invading and trying to give them that which is false and that which is not truthful. He has to be a guard to guard the truth because there's so much false stuff being peddled out there. So much false stuff from places where you think that false stuff should not be peddled. So many people are peddling false things from people that you would not think that they would be peddling false truth. The late Dr. Timothy Ruffin said this to me as I was coming up as a young preacher. He said to me, he said, Keith Reed, bad doctrine can destroy a life. I never understood what he meant until I started growing in the faith and I saw what people believe begins to affect the way they behave and then it affects the way that they feel and then it affects what they are able to do when it comes to life and living on this side of heaven. You get bad truth, it'll mess your life up. You get bad doctrine, it'll destroy you. The late Dr. A.L. Patterson would put it this way. He would say proper content produces proper character and proper character produces proper conduct. But if you don't have proper content, it'll never change your character which will never change your conduct. But oh, if you get proper content, it has a way of changing your character in the way that you think, the way that you move, the things that you do. This proper content can revolutionize your thinking, revitalize your life, fix your emotions, and adjust your will so that you will do the will of God because you know the will of God and in doing what you know changes the way you feel God will adjust you he will revitalize you he'll do what Paul says if any man any woman be in Christ they become a new creature all things are passed away all things become brand new is there anybody here that can be a witness and testify that y'all got a good soldier y'all got a good security guard that's been telling you the truth showing you the truth sharing with you the truth demonstrating the truth yes because the secret is I know the secret when it comes to his life he would tell you my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holily on Jesus' name anybody here know him on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is sinking sand anybody standing anybody know it say yes 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 oh yes
25 years of serving, being a sacrifice. 25 years being a soldier and a sportsman. 25 years of being a security guard. That's why he keeps getting up day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. My brother, good whole family, thank God for Dr. ZZ Cofield. Those of you can and will, please stand on your feet. We have been reminded that God has blessed us for 25 years to have a good soldier. Yes, indeed. Amen. soldier that knows the proper content that has preached that the blood is what makes the difference one of the things that uh, I received from that message is that Pastor Reed talked about a sin sick world that we live in Sometimes that sin-sick world tosses us up and down, to and fro, with the saint and the sinner. And if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, that toss-up is more fish, uh, ferocious than when you have walked with the Lord. So much so that you think you're doing good, but you're walking in sin. Today is a good time for you to not have that battle any longer. You can come today with your sins and accept Jesus Christ just as you are. The content is about Jesus and what he did for us. So in your sin and in your brokenness, you can come find out all you need about that content. So today we offer to that sinner, to you that you're walking in unforgiveness. You're walking and, and you're trying to figure things out. Well, you don't need to try to figure that out any longer. There's a chance today to come just as you are and accept Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins. We have men and women all around that can help lead you to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say that you, in your mind you have faith, but really saving faith takes place in your heart. So what we say to you is you have a chance today to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So today we offer and extend to you an opportunity just as you are to come. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sins, we give you a chance right now to come just as you are as the choir sings. Come now. Hey. 
here that uh, you found yourself at the Good Hope Church this morning. And it wasn't an accident. God has you here to hear that word today. You've been struggling with life and you've been in church because Big Mama told you you need to be in church. Well, I got news for you. That's good, good wisdom from Big Mama. And you need to come on back because if you've been struggling and haven't been coming, you can come on now and join the Good Hope family.
be a life to a how you made it.